Hello everybody, this is Mike Conway, gamer, game master, and host of this show, RPG Showcase, which was recently awarded the Podspider 5-star award. Yes, receiving that award made my week. Thank you to the fine folks at Podspider. We can be found every other week here at RPGShowcase.com, covering the finest in role-playing and providing the best in inspiration for the Harry GM, or, in the case of today's episode, the beginning one. Comments, criticism, and ideas can be sent to Mike at RPGShowcase.com. Right in. It's quick, it's free, and you get your opinion heard by me. Your input matters. After all, today's show is the result of a listener writing in. Now, before we get on with the podcast, I'd like to make a quick correction. Those who know me and who have seen my picture know that I'm naturally blonde, and occasionally that's going to show up here on this show. Last week, I talked about The Zen Show, and I gave the address. For those of you who were only listening and were trying to go to Zen's site, the address I gave probably gave you some errors. Well, the website does have the correct address linked on my website, but in case you got this show off of BitTorrent or from somewhere else, the correct address for The Zen Show is www.zenshow.net with an X instead of a Z. And no, it's not a .com, but it's a .net. Sorry about that, folks. And Zen, don't kill me. I don't have that many hit points. Second, I have a request. If anybody's played Three Dragon Ante from Wizards of the Coast, can someone please send me an email and tell me how it is? It looks great. I appreciated the review I got for Mechanical Dream that got sent to me, and I want to know how this new card game is. In fact, if you submit it to me as a full-out review, I'll read it aloud on the air. Thanks, everyone. Now, today's show is something that's been a long time coming. A while back, I was talking to one of, one of the owners of my friendly local game store in Denver, Colorado, which is a Tactics, and he was telling me that a lot of people don't make adventures for their favorite game systems because they think that they're only allowed to run published scenarios. I have to admit, when I was playing original D&D, I sort of fell into that trap myself, although when I became a GM and I got my hands on the basic set, DM Rulebook, I learned otherwise. Castle Mistamere stands out in my head like nothing else. Then a few weeks ago, I got an email from a fan who went by Boomer Dad. And Boomer Dad mentioned that there's very little support for writing adventures in most games. I got to thinking about it, and he's right. Really, there isn't much basic information on how to create an adventure in most games, in spite of all the material out there with advice on running the games. So here we are. Recently, when I was at a used game store, I came across a copy of the Theatrics RPG, which I had at one time, and I loaned it out and never got it back. And when I went to the store, it was still in the wrapper and it had all the extras, you know, all the cards that came with it. So I got it. A lot of the information in this episode on adventure creation comes from this game, which I consider to be the best resource on adventure creation. Sadly, it is out of print, but if you can find it on eBay or in the bargain bin of your favorite game store, I strongly give it my recommendation. There's a rumor that theatrics will be released again sometime soon and even made available to other publishers, which is something I'm excited about as a publisher. I don't have too much information right now, but when I do, you'll hear it. Now granted, the way theatrics does adventure creation and gameplay, it's not as though you were gaming a movie or a stage play, but it adds a neat dimension to the gaming experience. Also, if you're writing a book, you might consider picking up theatrics as well. The system for creating a plot in a novel or short story is the same as writing an adventure. So let's go ahead and get on with it. Now, if you're an absolute beginner, the first type of adventure you ought to try out is a dungeon crawl. You've probably heard of this. It's the simplest and most common type of adventure out there. I suggest dungeon crawls for first-time GMs, so that way they can get used to being behind the GM screen. It gets used to being in charge, in, uh, used to planning out adventure, and, of course, taking on the roles of the non-player characters. 
The best resource I can recommend can be found on RPG Now, the original Dungeons & Dragons basic set, which came in the red box originally. In the player's guide, there's a nice solo adventure that introduces you to D&D to give you an idea of what it's like to play. It does have a beginning, a middle, and an end, albeit a bit of a sad ending. In the DM's guide, there's a dungeon crawl where they give you the first level, which is fully mapped and populated, and the second level of the dungeon, which is mapped, but you have to populate it yourself. And any levels past that, well, you get to map and populate yourself. By the time you get around to making that third level, you'll be doing pretty well for yourself. But you have to do everything before you begin play. Let me repeat that. You have to do everything, plan it all out, before you begin playing. Now, since you're beginning, this is not the time for off-the-cuff GMing. When you're good enough, you can do that. But for now, just get everything planned out. If you're unable to get a copy of the basic set, don't worry. I'll tell you how to make a dungeon crawl right here and right now. First of all, get yourself some graph paper, the kind that uses blue lines and small squares. The reason for this, in terms of size, it gives you plenty of room to map, no matter how big the level is. And second, the blue color is light, and your pencil marks always use a number two pencil for this, will show up nice and clear. Typically, one square on the grid is equal to 10 feet by 10 feet. It's a good rule of thumb to start with, but it's up to you depending on what kind of a dungeon you're creating. I suggest not going smaller than 5 by 5 feet. Now remember that dungeons aren't just going to spring up for the heck of it. We all know nature doesn't work that way. Dungeons come from people building buildings which later fall into ruin. This can be a keep on the borders, a palace of a lost princess, or the underground complex of a race of fallen elves. It has to be something. Or, it, well, it had to have been something at one time. The rooms that you make on your map ought to serve some kind of a purpose, even if it's not immediately obvious to the characters. It might have been a bedroom, but all they see now is just an empty room with a pile of wooden stuffing. Next thing you need to do, after you map it, is you need to populate it. If you happen to get the basic set, and you see those tables with all the monsters on it that you roll for, those, mon those are monsters that might happen to be wandering around the place. The tables aren't really meant to be used for placing monsters, which was what I did at first, and it created a little bit of a haphazard dungeon. And none of the monsters made sense where they were at. So, uh, you need to figure out for yourself what might be the most common monster there, and why. Now, maybe goblins decided to set up there, so every few rooms, you're going to find a group of them doing something. Feel free to add variations on it, though. Where goblins are, there's probably going to be dire wolves, orcs, ogres, and other such beasties. But don't be afraid to throw in, like, a real zinger, like maybe an audiog. For a perfect example of a dungeon crawl, check out The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien, either the book or the movie, where the heroes are going into Moria. Perfect. Or watch the first episode of Record of Lotus War, which is an anime, a very good anime. At the very beginning of it is, is a dungeon crawl. And even though it's Japanese, you actually do see some D&D conventions, like the elf and the dwarf arguing with each other. Well, they figure that a dwarf would do that, you know. Now, what I'm described here is perfect for fantasy. Is fantasy not your thing? If it's not, and you're listening to this podcast, I'll be a bit surprised. But hey, to each their own. Dungeon crawls are not just suited to fantasy. You can use it in any genre. Instead of a ruined castle, it's an old husk of a starship. Metamorphosis Alpha came from this concept. If you like sci-fi, who knows what kind of alien life forms might be on board. Maybe it's an old west scenario, like Deadlands, and the characters have run across a ghost town or an abandoned mine. You're not limited to just fantasy here, and it's the easiest form of GMing you can do. This is an open-ended form of GMing, and it can be a lot of fun. Wander around kill fell beasts, and get treasure. Then go back to civilization and count your gold. But when you're ready to add some story, here's what you have to do. 
plot-based adventures are like writing books or short stories. This kind of game is like running a movie or a novel for your characters, uh, only they're involved in it. It's a lot more interactive. The difference here is you're only writing a skeleton outline of a story, and it's the players that are in all the details. Adventures have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Theatrics calls this the introduction, the confrontation, and the resolution. I'll be going into each one, and you'll figure out why they're called this. The first thing, though, you have to begin with is an idea. This is not as hard as you might think. Ideas are as plentiful as hydrogen molecules. It's a basic premise that you just come up with. Rescue someone. Stop the bad guys from committing a grand heist. A quest to get home. Mistaken identity. Save the world from a madman like the spies you are. It's really that simple. Once you have that, writing the adventure is just fleshing that out. Now, if you're really stuck for ideas, go the route of the ripoff. Yes, stealing ideas from movies, books, other games, and comics is okay. After all, the saying goes, there's nothing new under the sun. There's really only a few basic plots. You can take a plot, modify it to make your own, boom, you have an adventure. To prove this point, I'm going to read from an article in Fudge Factor magazine, which is entitled, Building Stories on the Fly. I am, of course, linking to it on the website so you can read the whole article. It's a tremendous resource that will help you if you're ever stuck and don't have time to prepare an adventure. All right, here it is. The caravan you've been riding with since Amanthar is racing through the desert. Arrows are flying past you on both sides and streaking overhead. As the Imperial Cavalry closes, your caravan leader begins to shout orders to his guards, preparing to defend the wagons. The session continues with the players defending themselves against the Imperial Cavalry, led by an ominous man in heavy armor wielding an enchanted sword. They have no idea why they're in this fight until they are approached by an enigmatic woman, a refugee who's been traveling with them. The woman hands one of the players a small crystal and pleads with them to take it and find a powerful wizard or exiled warrior or any other character that seems interesting. That person will know what to do with it. It wasn't really difficult to think of a beginning to that adventure. In fact, it didn't take any planning at all to figure out what comes next, nor did it take any foresight to know how it's probably going to end. It ended with the players in a desperate fight to save a small desert village of normally peaceful nomads from the Imperial Army, led by the ominous man described above. The bad guy has the power to command the forces of the desert, and plans to use it to bury the, the good guy's village in a sandstorm. Only the crystal that the players were given has the power to stop him. Of course, the only one who can use that power, the powerful wizard, exiled warrior, whatever, has died along the way, but not before teaching one of the players how to use it. Okay, that was from the article. Now then, listeners, where did the GM get his adventure? Anyone? If you guessed Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope, you're right. The ripoff can work, especially if you make it your own and change enough. This space opera becomes a fantasy adventure. Nothing says you can't take a fantasy epic and make it, say, a Western, or a Shakespearean play, and use it for Gamma World. Give the article a read. It goes into a lot more detail about how to do this. If you have the time, and you really want to be creative, though, here's how to write a first-rate adventure for your finicky players. First, decide the ending. Okay, I know this flies in the face of everything you know about story writing. After all, you're supposed to begin at the beginning, right? That's where all stories start, not at the end. Well, here's the thing. Writing is like a map. You have to know where you're going to go before you set out on the journey. You pick where you're going, and then you map out a route to get there. I know a lot of you author types out there are probably going to send me an email telling me, I can't work into this kind of structure. It interferes with my creativity. You can't be creative and structured at the same time. It inhibits me. 
Okay, to you guys, I have two things to say. One, don't ever expect to be published because your story will go nowhere. And two, don't get behind a GM screen unless you want to run a dungeon crawl. Dungeon crawls are fun and wonderful adventures, but your lack of desire to plan ahead will work against you and leave your players dissatisfied if you try to do a plot-based adventure. So begin where you want the adventure to end up. As an example, let's go with a tried-and-true fantasy favorite, Rescue the Princess. Now remember, this is just an idea, and you can always take it and put your own spin on it. It's a little cliché, but that's okay. It's the execution that will make all the difference. Where do you want this idea to end up? Let's make that ending. The characters are going to end up in an epic battle with the evil wizard Stoculius to free her before he can kill her as a sacrifice to Demogorgon in return for dark favors. Ooh, you can feel the creativity flowing, can't you? I bet there's at least a few of you out there right now who are thinking, you know, I don't think I'd do it like that, but what I would do is... dot dot dot. Yeah, you know who you are. So now we know where we're going. What's next? Let's go ahead and skip back a couple of steps and go to the beginning. Now, earlier I said this was called the introduction. It's called that for a reason. You introduce the characters, and you introduce the situation in this first part. Careful how you do the introduction. Too many adventures begin with, Okay, you're in a tavern, and... <coughs> yeah, no kidding. How many times must this opening be used? I've seen very few stories that open with ch characters chilling at the bar. In fact, only one I've seen personally that used the tavern opening with any good effect is Dragonlance Chronicles Volume 1. It made sense the way they did it. Want to know how? Sorry, you're going to have to go and read it yourself. But it's a good book series. The first book in the Chronicles trilogy is called Dragons of Autumn Twilight. Now, if your game begins with, you were sitting at the tavern enjoying your beers, listening to the bard, and chatting up the tavern wenches, but suddenly the place erupted in an explosion of fire and shrapnel, then I might like to join your game. But I digress. If you're stuck for an idea of where to open your game, just walk into any comic book store, pull a comic book off the shelf, and read the first few pages, especially the splash page if there is one. Chances are the JLA or the X-Men are not sitting around watching TV. They're doing something, exploring something, fighting someone. Maybe the story in the book is continued from the previous issue. Dang it, use that opening in your game. Get the characters involved right away. You'll find out that most opening, one of two things is happening. Either uh, there's action or there's a revelation. Revelation means, look at this. You didn't know this. What does it mean? You'll reveal something or there will be action. Back to our example. You're at the biggest party in the kingdom. You're mingling and having fun and putting back a few drinks. The king, the queen, and the princess, they watch on from their thrones and they smile, happy to have been able to put on such a celebration. Suddenly, one of the castle walls explodes inward, knocking out several nobles. Through the newly created entrance comes a wizard in black robes, followed by several warriors in dark black and red armor. The wizard says, Kill all but the royalty and lead the princess to me. He advances toward the throne while his men behind them draw swords, and the carnage begins. What do you do? Well, there you go. Not just your traditional opening. In this particular scenario, the soldiers would keep the characters busy while the princess got carted away by the wizard that will later be revealed as the Stoculius person. They will find out where the wizard lives, how to get to him, and who he really is. Then they're going to set out. The king will probably offer some kind of reward, but that's up to you. Now, when the characters start to get to a point that's close to the end of your introduction, throw in a little plot twist. 
do something the players aren't going to expect and will throw them off the track. In our example, the characters run across the princess. Woo! Of course, they're going to want to take her home. But instead of being grateful to her rescuers, she's going to say to them, I don't want to be rescued. She hands the characters a crystal and says, Here, give this to my father, and don't come looking for me. She then storms away. Well, this isn't what was supposed to happen. And you'd be right in thinking that. But you, as the GM, know that it wasn't the princess. It was a doppelganger disguised to look like the princess, who was employed by the wizard. The characters will go back to the king, maybe a little confused, and he's going to use the crystal to play a recording of the princess telling the king something, you know, like a hologram or something. But earlier, the king told the characters a few things about the princess, and the pseudo-princess will say something in that recording that will tip off the characters that they were dealing with a fake. Ooh, okay, now we move into Act 2, the confrontation. This is the domain of the details. Now from here, the characters will go forth and overcome the conflicts and obstacles that are set before them. What is it going to take to get to the end? Each part of this will work towards getting the characters closer to the resolution. In our example, the characters are going to have to travel across hell and high water to get to the wizard before he can commit his act of ultimate evil. Half of the middle part of the feature will be in getting to the tower. The second half is going to deal with getting through the tower to rescue the dear princess. In the first half, they will have to find their way through, well, let's say, a small maze to get to the borderlands, uh, a maze that's maybe populated by monsters. And they get through that maze, they get to the darklands beyond, and into the wizard's domain. When they get to the tower, they have to fight the doppelganger that they met before, only this time he's going to be in the form of a friend, or an ally, or heavens, even the princess. Then they get into the castle for the second half of the confrontation, where they find out the wizard's plan to sacrifice the poor princess to Demogorgon for ultimate power. Once they get through the castle, they find their way to the main ritual chamber, and so begins the battle with the evil Stoculius. But before they get to the wizard, he sets the magical process in motion, so Demogorgon might even be there before they can defeat Stoculius. Of course, this means that the princess would die. Bad. Therefore, the princess will probably be... You know, I'm sorry, the party... Yeah, the princess will be divided. Well, the reason being, the reason the princess will be divided is because uh, she's in the middle of a, she's hanging over a pit, and there's a big bladed pendulum coming down closer and closer to her. Characters have to stop that. Ooh, sound familiar? But it, you know, so now, in addition to the princess potentially being divided, okay, um, the party will have to be divided. Half of them fighting Stoculius, the other half trying to stop, you know, the, the trap that he set in motion, you know, like the pendulum. If Demogorgon actually gets summoned, then the princess is dead, and you better look out. Once this is done, and the princess is rescued alive and unharmed, hopefully, the characters then return to the kingdom, return her to her grateful parents, let the heroes bask in their glory, claim their reward, if any. In the end, everything should fit together nice and neat. Of course, this doesn't mean there isn't room to hint at a continuation, but still, everything gets all nice and wrapped up. The end of Star Wars A New Hope is a good example of a nice, finished ending. You know the story will continue. Uh, that's all, there's a lot of loose ends there, but this part of the story is ended. So there you have the basics of making an adventure. It's simple, but I want you to know it isn't always easy. You're going to produce a lot of brain sweat, make no mistake. You're going uh, to exercise those imagination muscles, and the work will be hard. But have fun with it. Okay? You're making a game. I mean, it's for a game. The work can be a lot of fun if you have the right attitude. So just treat it like it is. Like It is It is a game. It's a, you know, it's a lot of effort, but 
that's what it is. You're making an adventure. It shouldn't be drudgery. Have fun with it. After all, look at all the athletes that have fun while practicing for the big game. And you shouldn't be any different either. Alright, that's all the time we have for today's episode. Now, in two weeks, I'm going to go ahead and be reviewing a game called Wet War Revised. Wet War Revised from Black Powder Games, which isn't actually a role-playing game, but it's a rather fun-looking game nonetheless. And I'll talk about how the game plays, and I'll even tie it into how it can be used in an RPG. And the game itself does actually have some RPG elements in it that were taken from uh, OGL Cyberpunk, but we'll go into that more when I review it. Also, uh, the music that was played in the game introduction in this episode was Evil Days by Toxic Virgin, and can be found at the Podsafe Music Network. The link is on the website. Come back and see us November 2nd at... I'm sorry, November 22nd. Go back in time and listen to the next episode. Okay. <laughs> Come, okay, November 22nd, right here, www.rpgshowcase.com. And take a moment to write me at mike at rpgshowcase.com about anything game-related you want. Go ahead and vent to me. Good night, and keep that princess alive. She might really be grateful. <laughs> <laughs>